Welcome to Great Match Generator, the match, the the podcast where 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 we look at great matches and see what makes them great. I'm your host Danny Kukor here. I'm here with Beast Mike and Greg. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, it took a little bit to get back home uh, from the middle of Pennsylvania, uh, but we made it back home. We made it back home, and now we're we're uh, relaxing on on a and on an off night and on a relatively quiet night, I would say. Yeah, relatively quiet night. How are you doing, Greg? I'm doing good because Big Ten football is back. <laughs> yes. 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 We do get our Penn State football after all. <laughs> Literally a week away from, uh, from tonight, we will have our uh, Penn State football back. They will be playing in the end of week one. And eight games, eight weeks. Nebraska wanted all the smoke. And the Big Ten responded, you get Ohio State week one. So, yep. Basically, starting a month late, but um, they're going to cut out the non-conference and the bye weeks to compensate. So, yes, yep. And unfortunately, Notre Dame had a COVID outbreak. It's, yeah, yeah, you got seven. You got seven um, players testing positive for COVID, and then they they chalked up the game with Wake Forest. Um, I think they're going to try to play the game. I, it's a matter I'm of just under twelve. Okay, they've already they've already. Yeah, the week, before, they are the week before the playoffs, the week before the championship Saturday. Got it. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. So, so we have four great matches for you today: Undertaker versus Mankind from King of the Ring, nineteen ninety-eight, Pittsburgh. Um. Then we have the ultimate, one of my favorite matches from. The two twenty tens, CM Punk versus Brock Lesnar. I I really love this thing. Um, just a spoiler alert there. Um, then we have Yoshiaki Fujiwara versus Super Tiger, and then we have from UWF December fifth, nineteen eighty four, and then from Wrestle War nineteen ninety. Rock and Rolls versus Midnight. So, where do we want to begin? Oh, we were kind of getting in the flow of Hell in a Cell. Um, yeah, we were... Just to pull back the curtain, we tried to record, and I, I, I my internet connection pooped out, so... So... So, just to pull back the curtain a little bit, um, but this Hell in a Cell match between Undertaker and Mankind is really, really good. It It's not just the two bumps. No. It's a, it's a full-on 20-minute match after the bumps. The bumps started the match. And they literally started the match with the two most iconic moments in the match. Well, two of the three. The other one being Foley with the teeth, with the tooth up his nose, uh, being the other iconic moment of the match. We get to see that visual. But they literally started the match with the two bumps, and it's like, I think the thing that yeah. caught my attention the most from this, Foley wouldn't stay down. Mm-mm. He he just would not stay down. Because the so the first of the bumps was planned, from what I'm to understand. The second yes. one was, um, and I couldn't, I honestly couldn't tell 
who of all the people that ran out, because like Terry Funk runs out, Sergeant Slaughter, Vince, etc., who is legitimately concerned, who like wants to stop this, and and who is just kind of acting, (laughs) and what's KVB, what's not, I I honestly couldn't tell. (laughs) Yeah, this was... This was the uh, defining match of McFoley. Um, yeah, but that's absolutely. I think um, that was a part of this. Didn't Foley like? Didn't Foley kind of convince Undertaker to do the bumps? I like, what, what, what the bumps Foley's idea? I think so, because I I think one of them is scared of heights, and like didn't want to do it at all. But I forget who mm-hmm. it was. Um. But I, I know I've said on uh, on previous uh, versions of this, I'm really way more into the spectacle than the the actual in ring work. And this match was just all spectacle. Um, <laughs> it, you know, whether it was planned or not, everything about it was spectacle, from the entrances to the the bumps to the the freaking out by officials. Um, and of course, JR's commentary. Oh my goodness. Legendary. JR's commentary here. This, this is. This all, is. An all awesome time soundbite. We get. And all um, time sound. JR, peak of powers. Yeah, absolutely. I killed him. He's broken in half. As God is my witness, he's broken in half. And the king, and king following up, too. And the king following up as, as they go with it. Like. Man, this was this was it. This this is the hell in the they're they're good hell in the cells after this, but this is the one that stands the test of time. I would say. Mm-hmm. I think, I I think as I I think the two that established hell in the cell were the first one and this one. Um, the first one established it, that you could have a psychological, very good, complete match. Uh-huh. And then this one was the spectacle where 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 you had the bloody fully smile, you had the steel steps, you had the thumbtack spot. It Yeah, yeah, the it's chair. A nasty little package that really stands the test of time. This was the first time I think I saw thumbtacks outside of ECW. Like Actually, I, I think that's the same for me. And and I you could tell with commentary they were getting that over even if it wasn't necessarily true, like it was just like wait what the heck are those thumbtacks oh my god like they had never seen them before, and <laughs> the, the the human pincushion line yeah uh, yeah I we're taking this backdrop yeah I have seen some brutal stuff and and I like I said I've seen these two bumps but I don't think I've ever sat down and actually just watched this match all the way through it was even more brutal than I anticipated. Like, you really did think Foley was, like, dead. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it was well-constructed, too. Considering all the downtime with with the match, like, 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 with, like, the two falls, of course. It was well-constructed. And then they, they did the brawling inside the cell, and and I felt like this is just top tier stuff. I should just change. 
I was like lukewarm on it. I was like more looking at it like 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 this is a spectacle rather than this uh, this as a wrestling match. This is a five star spectacle, but as a wrestling match, it it doesn't tick all the boxes per se. Okay. To me, to me, like it's a. It, I know it's a weird nitpick, but. But sometimes it does lack in psychology. And yeah. For me, I think the psychology is the fact that Mick Foley's indestructible. <laughs> Mick Foley's all but indestructible. I think that's the psychology in it. Is that Undertaker, who is this monster, 6'10, 7 foot monster, capable of dealing out all kinds of pain. And you're de- and he's dealing with a man in McFoley who can take all kinds of pain. I think that's right. the psychology in it. I, I I understand that, but there are some subtleties in the match, like like Undertaker, like working the arm after yes. after the uh, two horrific bumps. <laughs> you're like, well, that doesn't really make sense. That's no, true. it really did because here's what something I didn't notice until this viewing was. Okay. Um, after the first bump, Foley is screaming, my arm, my arm, and all the officials are going... I, I did not notice that. I didn't so. check that. Oh, I didn't check that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. They When when they're all huddled around the Spanish announce table, um, he's screaming about his arm, and the officials are going, I think it's his arm. I think that's the problem. And even when he gets off the stretcher later, he's grabbing his arm. So then when, when Undertaker goes to do the um well, the old school, old school. Right, um, right. Foley desperately knocks him off instead of letting him do it to that arm. And then later he goes to pick something up. I think it was like the, the steps or whatever. And he mm-hmm. just collapses. So he's that would be the arm. Oh, right. Right. I think, yeah. I did not pick up on that. I, I wasn't catching that. Yeah, good catch. Makes it a little better for me. So, makes so it, no, yeah. One thing I've never noticed in a match before was they had very effective use of replays because you were talking about the downtime, and there was a lot of downtime yeah. when Foley was it around. Was, it wasn't overdone. No, I noticed that too. It, in one of my notes, I said it was very effective the way they used the replays to kind of to okay let's show this incredibly iconic moment but you don't have to o- but it's not overkill they, they didn't they didn't try to oversell it because it didn't need to be oversold Mm-mm. because the, the crowd because the crowd was nuclear hot for this and, oh, yeah. and, and the crowd the crowd sold it perfectly as it needed to be so jr and king and everybody else in the, in the production trucks whatever they didn't have to do too much they just put it out there for everybody to see a couple times and then Come back to live action where Foley's on the stretcher, or, or and then once Foley gets off the stretcher, you can tell that the crowd was hyped for this. Like they were, they, they couldn't believe that he a got up and b is trying to get back on top of the cell and encouraging Taker to get on top of the cell with him. I also forgot they raised the cell. Yeah, <laughs> with still on it, right. <laughs> They, they were gonna chalk it up. They were gonna chalk this up. Like they didn't think Foley could get up. But it's like, no, no, no. Foley's like, let's keep going. We gonna keep going. But I, I will say, I'm so glad they make cells better these days. You could see yeah, the, they're way the, better now. 
holding this thing together and popping off as these guys are stepping on it. <laughs> they are way better now. Absolutely, they're they're much they're much stronger. That must have been scary as hell, and it made the match more dangerous too. Yeah, it definitely did. So overall, I'm gonna change my rating to four and a half. I, I think it's four three had it like four and a quarter, but then what what once Greg goes like my arm, my arm, my arm. And then I, I sort of remembered that in the match and then I was like uh and so it it wasn't just like Tega was working on the arm just to work on the arm. Yeah, no. Okay. You know, but but this isn't this isn't like the greatest wrestling match I've ever seen, you know. No. But but it is my style. This is definitely the the type of thing I love. For me, this was a five star match. <laughs> and some ma- people did go five on the uh, greatest match ever poll. Um, okay. Some people some people had it at five. So, Greg, you're not totally off. I went I went four and three quarters. I'm I'm gonna go four and three quarters on it. I thought it was uh it was it's it is the quintessential hell on a cell. I think it is absolutely some people have their favorites. Like my favorite personally is the six man hell on a cell. But uh there there are people who have their favorites, but this is the one that, that the first hell in a cell you think of when it comes to this match. This is the first one you think of, and it's it the time, so Yes. I agree with that. So Brock Lesnar versus CM Punk. I love his style match. This was really uh, good. Like, like, Punk made himself a believable Brock opponent, which he not is. many people in this era of Brock. And like the 2012, 2000. 2012 to 2015 era. Uh, the, the, the yeah, yeah. The, the before Suplex City, Brock, I would say. Right. Before the Suplex City, like, um, before Brock got a little lazy. Um, right. And, and was actually structuring his matches very well. Punk was very smart. This told a really good story to me of Punk trying to withstand all the abuse that Lesnar was giving him, uh, plus the Heyman factor because Heyman had turned on him the month prior, and, and they, they cut classic promos against each other. Uh, it was... And then the match, the fact that there was no DQ, I think, made it work, so they could get a bunch of stuff in. I thought that was great. It's it tells a really good story to me, and I think that's what really makes it stick. This match still holds up. It does. It definitely does. It absolutely holds up. Yes. In my so, opinion. Sorry, Greg. Sorry, Greg. Go. I was just gonna say I I wasn't watching wrestling during the kind of CM Punk era. I, I pretty much missed the whole thing, um, and so I never really understood kind of the. The hype, yeah. Until literally, I saw this match, and I was just instantly like, "Okay, I get it." (laughs) Um, Everything worked as he came to the ring, and then, like you said, the the structure of it 
he he kind of played that quintessential baby face in peril um mm-hmm. uh, like you didn't i didn't even need to know the background of him breaking up with Heyman or anything like that to to know like Heyman's just being annoying here and and uh <laughs> trying to distract him and and all this stuff um you could tell there's something there there's history but uh they didn't even need to like explain it or put it right in your face the match just told the story in and of itself which Mm -hmm. was awesome and it's more punk versus Heyman than punk versus brock right yeah using brock payman was using brock to to bully sam punk pretty much and i'll say one thing i instantly noticed was this looked like an actual fight like we're going to talk about Jim Cornette later, but uh, I know a lot of times he'll say on his podcast that something doesn't look believable. It doesn't look like two guys actually fighting. This looked no, like two this, guys fighting. They were throwing hands. Yeah, but Brock were this, – this is – yeah, this is kind of Brock throwing hands and still kind of reacclimating himself to WWE. Kind of Brock. This wasn't wrestler Brock. This this was UFC. This was UFC fight Brock. And it wasn't even like the you know just the strikes. It was like little subtle things, like the the speed that Punk would go from one move to another. There was no hesitation. There was no nope. like oh I'm setting this up. I'm doing my choreography. I'm remembering my next move. It was like this is what a fighter actually would do. They'd go right. grab a weapon. They'd go to the top rope. They'd right. They'd actually do this. I I I would I would say I would say I would say, I would say they lead a little too much into the Heyman story, but okay. but I but I get why they did because he had just turned on him. But from my personal personal viewing, I would rather have a clean finish than the finish they went with, and that's oh. why. Good. and that's why I. And that was my only main issue with the match. Because Brock can beat CM Punk on his own. Right. But but I, but the finish I, was e- even like really this is a top five Brock match. This is a top five Brock match. I totally this agree with you about one. Yeah, hey, I'll, I'll buy I'll buy that. I'll buy this a top five Brock. Um, yeah. I, I was going to say, I totally agree with you about Heyman interfering. I, I even had that in my notes here that I don't like when managers interfere on behalf of a monster. Monsters aren't supposed to need this. <laughs> that's that's fair. You know, and you know what? That is a fair uh, criticism of the match. I understood it because of Heyman's turning on, on Punk uh, the, the month prior. But yeah, I, I, I understand. I, I completely understand why. Like, oh, why would you have Heyman get involved? But simple, it's to keep the E going for Heyman and for Heyman and Punk, and ultimately Punk gets his revenge. But uh, yeah, I totally get it. I totally get why he would go this route. I got why Punk would get distracted and like go after Heyman. I didn't understand yes. Heyman like breaking up a pinfall and throwing a few yeah. shots. Like, come on, yeah. you didn't need to do that. <laughs> that's probably fair. While we're stuck on on, on the on top five Brock matches, like what are your top five Brocks? Because I, I would agree with you both that this, this is a this top match five. might be number one. This, this match might be number one. I gotta okay. rewatch the ring. 
Because um, other matches for me that come to mind are like Brock. Um, Brock Taker helped us sell. Absolutely is in the, is is a lock in, in that top yeah, that, five. That's a lock on mine because I love that match. Yeah, the Brock and Taker absolutely there. Um, I don't consider Brock Hurd to be that that great match that some people. Wait, Brock, Brock and who? Kurt. Oh, for WrestleMania. Um, oh, good, but about. not great. I think it went on a little bit too long. Plus, that shooting star press was was scary. <laughs> the only the only like early Brock match I would consider is the Taker. Then it's Brock Cena. Yeah, Brock, Brock yeah, Brock Cena from SummerSlam. Um I think Brock AJ was better than Brock Orton. Well, I need mean the first Brock Cena. Oh, okay, Brock oh, okay. The first one from Extreme World. That match. Oh, so was awesome. oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, that was dope. Yeah, Brock's return. Yeah, that was dope. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, we definitely had that. Yeah, Brock Cena 2012, uh, Brock Taker 02, this match with Brock and Punk. I go Brock AJ. I, I love that match with Survivor Series a couple years ago. That was I, good. I, I thought that was very well worked by, by Brock. Lesnar actually tried that match, and it was really, really well worked, I, I would think say. I think the um, recent Lesnar versus a little guy matches, uh, he had a good one against Daniel Bryan, too. Yeah, he did. He did, yeah. That was good. And I was expecting that match to be better. Knowing Brian. But Brock's gotten lazy in the past few years. Relying I, I on think, the suplexes a little too much. I think part of what kind of kills the buzz for me on Brock Daniel is the fact that Daniel turned heel three days, like two days earlier. I think if Daniel not turned heel, I think that match would have been, been better. Because that match started so slow. And, and, and Daniel wrestled as a heel. Like, it, it, and then you can see that oh he's wrestling as a face like for like the second half of the match, like I, like, I wish I wish they, they saved the heel turn for Daniel until later on, uh later on in, like in, in the year, but he literally turned heel right before this and I think that's what kind of killed the buzz for me, uh with that particular match. And but, I'm gonna be this is the best match of SummerSlam 2013. Yeah, Ooh, I, I, I don't know if I agree with that. Casita Bryan was really good. Oh, that's that's so tough. Yeah, but, but but this re- reaches heights that that doesn't reach, in my opinion. I think this got the crowd more involved. I mean, I, I mean, Cena Bryan got the crowd hype, but the crowd the crowd was definitely juiced for uh, for Bryant and Lesnar, like, like uh, for Punk and Lesnar. They they were really ready for 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 Punk to beat Lesnar. Yeah, this was a really good shit. Speaking of really good tag teams, Rock and Roll and Midnight. This is just comfort food tag team wrestling at yes. its finest. Like, from a pure work rate point, it, not even like work rate as in like, Amount of moves and stuff like that, but the way they move in the ring, the way they so fluid, they're fluid and, and crisp. Fluid, they are. This may may be the best rock and roll Midnight Express match we have on tape, mm. and I can see why people call these two the greatest tag teams of all time because two of the greatest tag team uh, of all time because. 
the subtleties here. See, uh, you, you guys are going to hate me because I did not like any bit of this. Oh, wow. Not at all. I, okay. I didn't like anything about it. Um, the, if this is what Jim Cornette likes, then boy, we are on two different planets. Uh, <laughs> I I mean, just, just starting out, I never understood the Midnight Express's gimmick. Um, just two robed guys, I guess, uh, with awful 80s hair. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just don't get it. But... Uh, I think you have to get Southern psychology in the Southern wrestling to get the Midnight. And yeah, I, that's what that's why I, I guess I must need that. Um, yeah, I wrote here. I feel like you really need to know the history of these teams to get to appreciate this match, and I don't. So mm. that kind of kills your buzz. I, okay. I I really didn't know the history of these teams, but but but. Like, since you're a student of wrestling, you were able to get it right away. Like, I felt, I felt going into, even though I did know a little bit more about them, going into the last two matches we just talked about, they, those matches to me just told their own stories. This one, you needed background. Mm. And and so I was kind of lost. I didn't really understand. I, I, I always thought Cornette was associated with Rock and Roll Express. So, here he is telling them that they suck um, and competing against them. And I was just kind of like, um, now I'm really confused. <laughs> Gwinnett was always the manager of the Midnight. Oh, okay. Okay. So, the Midnights were always the heels, the Rock and Rolls were always the baby. Gotcha. That's what that you sense. really need to know. That, that and, makes sense. And... And what you're saying about work rate and and the fluidity, I I get what you're saying, but to me, this looked more like a choreographed dance, whereas like the Brock and CM Punk fight, like I said, that felt like a fight. That was a fight. Yeah, Yeah, like like watching this, it's an old sort of contradiction to what Cornette thinks about well off. Yeah, in a real fight, though, you're not going to run the ropes and leapfrog and do all this other stuff, um, you know, and shoulder tackles and whatnot. You're gonna you're gonna punch and kick you're, and you're punching, and yeah. <laughs> but 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 I think for the tag style of that match and for 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 like that this era. Is, for that era, th- this was basically Young Bucks versus Lucha Bros. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's 30 years before it's time. Thir- it, it, people were talking, and back in 86, when these two teams were in their primes, they were saying, saying, they were saying, okay. um, they're saying the rock and roll and the midnights are ruining the business. No, <laughs> at, on the contrary, they kind of gave birth to that kind of fluidity and, and smoothness in tag team wrestling. It, it kind of business. And while we're stuck on tag team wrestling, we should all probably um. But I, think, but I think there's some psychology here too with 
the blind tag, and and Rock and Roll's like taking advantage early until until Ricky gets so and Ricky Morton gets so enraged, right? That and then Ricky Morton has the baby face apparel. Nothing better than that. <laughs> yeah, I I guess my issue or a big issue I had was that um you know I I'll I'll listen to Jim Cornette just for the giggles. I uh, Danny and I were actually talking about this the other day. Um but I I think I would have enjoyed this match if I wasn't sitting there the whole time thinking how hypocritical Jim Cornette is because <laughs> this okay. was I think you're right. This did kind of remind me of a Young Bucks versus Lucha Brothers match, which is why it should, like, Cornette should love that stuff, but he hates it. He hates it. Modern day Jim Cornette would absolutely hate this match. Like, let's start with the fact that touching the ref be a DQ. Like, he's a big stickler for the tag rules. He got Mm -hmm. in a fight with the referee. (laughs) Um, And he kept getting involved, uh, you know. as you mentioned, you don't like the managers getting involved in matches. Yeah, and 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 uh, you mentioned that that Ro- I think it was the Robert Gibson. Uh, I, I, I know, I know, Jim Cornette is he's a carny, and yeah, <laughs> but but I think you mentioned on the hot tag there um, is is that Robert Gibson that that got yeah, that? Robert Gibson. Um, he he looks like the same size as all these AEW guys that Cornette makes fun of for being too small, and here he is. Running roughshod around the place, beating everybody up. <laughs> it's like I don't know. I guess the hip hop. No, I get it. It's good to it's good that you called him out on it. I think that's good. To... I'm I'm very I'm very proud that you said you're just like this is this feels like an AEW tag just thirty years ago and because mm-hmm. all the almost all the tag matches are pure speed. Almost almost all of them are speed and fluidity. Especially if they involve the Bucks, Kenny, or Hangman. But they, they are almost all pure speed. Well, and the Lucha Bros. Also the Lucha Bros, who are incredibly fast. Oh, you see, see Garnett <laughs> seems like doing some innovative moves for the time. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm like, you're like, you're like, why does Garnett hate the Bucks? <laughs> <laughs> this is so weird. It, it, it is odd, isn't it? It's odd. While we're stuck on 80s tags, our condolences to uh to Road Warrior Animal, who unfortunately passed away earlier today. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, another another legendary 80s tag uh with the late great Hawk from Legion of Doom, the Road Warriors. They were killing it uh in the 80s when they stormed through, especially in the Midwest. Uh, in Chicago and Minnesota and, and, and those areas, and then obviously they hit the main stage of WWE, and they were killing it there. They're one of the first tag teams I really like. Grew up watching, I would say AEW. Like the Dudleys are my favorite tag team ever. LOD is probably in that top five uh, for me. So I, I love watching LOD. Like, no matter who, which one of them got the hot tag, they killed it. And then the Doomsday Device is a legendary finisher, which is all time awesome. So rest in peace to uh, Road Warrior Animal who passed away earlier today. I saw some uh, some good tributes from some uh, current wrestlers and, and Bret Hart uh, with a nice uh, post on Instagram as well about how uh, Road Warrior Animal got a uh, kept in touch with him because of Bret badly cancer. 
how he showed love when, come, uh, when um, Hart's family members passed away. So, uh, an unfortunate day in, in wrestling. So, rest in peace to a World Warrior animal. Here's a uh, ceremonial whatever. Uh... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we needed that. Yeah. I saw I think Paul Ellery had a had a nice tribute too, uh as well on social media. I think I think I saw that so, earlier today. That 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 is very nice. Um rising power to Road Warrior Animal. Um let's move on to our last match, which is Yoshiaki Fujiwara versus Super Tiger. I teased last I week. Watch this match. I I teased last week. I think this connected with me a little more than the Maeda. Okay. I still have um um an issue with the lack of charisma. This was really straight. This was really straightforward. Uh, Like straight wrestling. Yeah. But this, but. But this is actually one of the most influential matches of all time. Okay. Because this sort of set up for, like, the TKO. And making the TKO a thing. Uh, a permanent thing. I mentioned last week, one kick set it off. Uh, one kick basically changed this match. Y'all saw that kick. Because the first match, Fujiwara controls. Right. Because... Because, and it sort of works in a pro wrestling manner, mm-hmm. but in a but with shoot moves. You know, you can you can tell a little bit that they're cooperating with each other, but it's not, but it's not, but it's not. Um, it's not fluid. It, it it's definitely not fluid. It's not it, as fluid as like. You know, fucking Will Ospreay. No, no. I think that's what makes this match stand out. I think it's the fact that both guys are just kind of trying to do their moves independent of each other. And then halfway through, or like three quarters of the way through, you get the kick to the ribs, and it's like, oh. This match effectively, you can tell that kick hurt because there's nothing else that could be done. Like It it was over after that. Right, because Fujiwara was trying to get, get his gra- bearings back, and this feels like a fight, you yeah. know. Um, this, 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 I know what's, what's it might, might not have Greg as much because maybe, but this is actually this is more influential in like the mixed martial arts realm than mm. actual. Pro wrestling, you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, that was one of my notes. Here is the the Japanese striking just looks better than everybody else's, and their submissions look more painful. <laughs> yeah, those all yeah. bars were those all bars were pretty deep. Yeah, yeah, and he wanted to apply that crossface chicken wing, and then that's sort of what. Change the tide of the match. I I thought I and I thought they kept the grappling interesting too. 
which was the problem I had with the first match, where it, I just felt like the grappling was, they were just grappling grapple. I, I felt like Fujiwara's control period was very, was, was more interesting here than in the Maeda match. Probably fair. I'd say it's fair. Um, and I don't know if, if that's because Super Tiger. The, for those of you that don't know, Super Tiger's the original Tiger Mask. He founded this promotion, UWF, after the sport with a couple other guys from New Japan after they had a split. Um, basically, a lot of Japanese wrestling is just the factions. Defections and them coming back. Okay. But. So this was the first of the New Japan defection. So. So. um, But. I, I enjoyed this match. Um, it, you know. I enjoyed this a lot more than the Maeda. I thought this match was solid. I don't think I, I probably didn't enjoy it as much as you did, but no, I and I still. I, I, thought, like, I thought this was solid. I thought it was just an overall solid match. I gave it four stars. Probably <laughs> three and three quarters for me, but I think it was a solid. It was still a very solid match. Greg, what were your thoughts on this? You weren't sort of in this discussion. <laughs> Um, yeah, so this is another one where, uh, you know, I don't really know that much. Um, it's interesting because I was wondering if Super Tiger was related to Tiger Mask. Um, and, uh, I, it was very jarring at first because, you know, this is the last of the matches that I watched. And coming from three matches with, uh, really hyped up English announced teams and packed arenas, uh, to this very small, uh, the crowd wasn't quiet, but it was the, you know, classic respectful Japanese crowd, um, and no commentary. Uh, so that was very jarring for me. Um, I did get into it though, and I did like it. I was confused by the ending though, because like, did, what is the ref supposed to count up to? It felt like Fujiwara was on the ground forever, and I was ten. waiting for the rest. Of the it, it was a ten count. It definitely was a ten I count. I think it's a twenty count. Yeah, it felt like a twenty count. Uh, it felt like, and, and even when he got yeah. up, he seemed woozy, and I was like, "Well, in boxing, this would have been called off." Like, <laughs> right? Uh, and, and that's what I'm thinking after after he was kicked. That's exactly what I was thinking after he was kicked. Like, yo, just call a fight. He's not gonna get up. <laughs> He's not getting up. Just call a fight. And then just out of nowhere, there was a graphic that said winner. And I was like, okay, so I guess he won by knockout. Um, (laughs) So I was a little confused by the ending. But um, yeah, no, the striking was awesome. The submissions were great. And it did tell a pretty good little story, um, at least from what I could decipher. Uh, Yeah, yeah. The striker story. Right. Fujiwara being the grappler. Super Tiger being the striker. And... Some people think this is like one of the greatest matches of all time. 
I, I don't put it in that echelon, but this is one of the most influential matches of all time because, because it's like technical knockout, you know. And it's so crucial to the shoot style and by proxy mixed martial arts, which mixed martial arts is based off of shoot style pro wrestling. Okay. That 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 it's like one of the most important contributions. I just think it's stylistically sound. I think I think both styles kind of mess with each other at points in the match, but ultimately, obviously, the striking style won. Solid match. It is a solid. It's solid. Solid as fuck match. Wait. Um. Solid. Solid match. And I just think. I, I honestly enjoyed myself here just watching these matches. Honestly. These are four good matches. These these are four this collection of four uh four entertaining matches with a lot of different styles involved here. So ne- so next week we have two two from Texas and two from Japan. So we have Terry Gordy versus Killer Khan in a Texas death match. With special guest referee Kerry Khan from WCCW World Class Championship Wrestling, 11-22-1984. We have Mitsuharu Misawa making another appearance on this show. Versus Junakiyama making his first appearance on this show. All Japan Pro Wrestling from February 27, 2000. Then we have the famous Parade of Champions match where Kerry Von Erich wins the NWA World Championship, I believe. Um, I could be wrong on that. I'll correct myself next time if that is the case. From, from 1985, from May 5th, 1985. For, oh, Kevin Von Erich. Okay. Oh, Kevin Von Erich, not Kerry Von Erich. And then Kenta Kobashi and Jun Akiyama versus Kensuke Sanzaki and Ma- Mitsuhiro Kitamiya from Diamond Ring to 2- 2-11-2012. So... We have two matches from two thousands and two matches, one match from two thousand, one matches from the tens, and two matches from the eighties, from the same promotion. Nice. So, Palaka Chug Chug. Twitter.com slash Beast Mike is where you can find me. Uh, obviously, I'll be. I was talking. We'll be talking about the uh, the pennant races that's coming down the down the stretch. Uh, college football is obviously back this weekend. And we got a NyQuil moment. 
Uh, that's not Shimev uh, put in work, right? On, a, on Saturday night, UFC uh, Chicago or UFC Vegas 11, where Shimev basically went one punch man on his opponent. That, that That's. Yeah. Well, the fight was over real quick. Round one, I think the. I, I, I'm, watching, I'm watching this again as you as I'm talking about it. Uh, Shimev is they're kind of walking around, walking around. Things are cool. Things are cool. Delete. 15 seconds, one punch man. He is out before he hits the ground. Uh, Chim obviously with the nightclub moment of the week. But yes, I'll be on uh, on the Twitters all, all weekend uh, long talking about the, the baseball, the, the college football, doing what it does. And then obviously you got the NFL coming back week three, uh, coming back. My team plays tomorrow night. Dolphins play the, the Jaguars. So I'll be all over that. So that's where you can find me. Greg, where can people find you? <clears throat> It's dropping out. Greg, where can people find you? I don't know why. Hmm. Greg, can you hear us? I can just edit that part out. You can follow Greg at PSU Optimus. And you can... You can see his YouTube channel, Wrestling Optimus, on YouTube. And then you can follow me at DJDCooks on Twitter. You may have to disconnect and reconnect into the server. Because sometimes Discord does that. Hmm. So hit the... But I covered your... Your two plugs, Greg. Um, oh, can, you- can you hear me, Greg? I'll just edit this part a little bit. <laughs> Greg, are you fine? Uh, at all. Now I can hear you. Yeah, but I got, I got you now. So, what are your plugs, Greg? Oh. Of course, Discord fails us at the end. Oh, yes. DJD Kooks on Twitter. Greg, what are your um, socials? All right, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, got you now. There we go. All right, I reconnected. Uh, you can uh, catch me over on Twitter at PSU Optimus, or uh, most of my work is over on YouTube. I do reviews of all the WWE and uh, AEW stuff at Wrestling Optimus. Yes. And then you can follow me at DJDCooks on Twitter. I'll be following the G1 Climax, which has been amazing. So, which has been not as amazing as some other years, but still very good stuff. And you follow me for sports coverage, too. 
Yes, rest in peace, Gail Sayers. Uh, we should also mention that uh, he, he passed away around like 9 o'clock this morning, 9.30 maybe, uh, this morning. That's when the word got around that he passed off. He was 77. Rest in peace, so, Gail Sayers. A, le- a legendary yeah. running back. Yeah, uh, the Bears are Bears. my team. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're a Bears fan. Yeah, you can talk about like, like uh, how Gail Sayers was uh, – was, they were talking about how he was an excellent catch, receiver out of the backfield. But he was ahead of his time. Yep. He, he was sick with Barkley or Christian McCaffrey before Barkley and McCaffrey and Ladainian Tomlinson, those types of dudes. Definitely. Yeah, no, he was he was a great player um for, for the team. Um and yeah, not just just another tragic passing in twenty twenty. Yep. Yep. So for Beast Mike and and Greg this is DJ D. Cooks saying so long, farewell, Avidas, and goodbye. And then I. Uh...